Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. You're listening to Thinking Outside the Bud, where we speak with entrepreneurs, investors, thought leaders, researchers, advocates, and policymakers who are finding new and exciting ways for cannabis to positively impact business, society, and culture. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeldt. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Thinking Outside the Bud. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Max Goldstein. He is CEO at Union Electric. We're going to talk to him about the brand they've built in the cannabis industry, um, a very kind of specific niche part of the market or a segment of the market they've really focused on around flower. And we're going to talk about what they're doing in terms of fundraising. Um, they've taken a really interesting approach. They're taking advantage of some recent law changes around how to raise funds on a crowdsource basis. We're going to talk to Max about why they're doing that, how they're doing that, and more importantly, how it really ties into their brand and to the what they want to do with Union Electric and the cannabis industry and how they're really kind of seeing the the evolution of cannabis brands and cannabis companies. So I'm excited about this. Some really interesting things they're doing and obviously a, a great brand and, uh, a, and a great market, a, a really kind of big market and kind of hearing how that process has played out and, and what they've learned. With that, Max, welcome to the program. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks, Bruce, for having me. It's really good to be here. Yeah, it's a pleasure. So before we kind of get into everything that's going on with you and Electric, let, let's learn a little bit more about you, background, how you got into cannabis. There's always a story. <laughs> Tell me, like, what's the journey? How did, how did you get into what you're doing? 
Yeah. So, you know, I started my career a little different than cannabis. I actually worked in technology. So really uh, kicked off in my 20s working at Google. I had an opportunity to really sit at the intersection between product teams and customers and users. So, sure. you know, I, I think the Google, especially when I was there in the you know early 2010s and, and towards the end of the, the, the decade, obviously is building some of the greatest technology in the world. I think there always takes some nuance getting those products and ready for customers and, and for users. And I think, you know, we had a really important role as a marketing team to really be a champion of those users and really try to drive the product and engineering teams to be as user centric as possible. And that's really my DNA. I think, you know, uh, everything I've done in my career has really been about accessibility and serving the customer. Um, I had an opportunity to move into cannabis uh, I'd say it's about three years ago, full time now. One of my partners over at Open Nest. So, Open Nest is a cannabis venture studio which incubated Unilectric, which I'm also a partner. Tyler Waxstein had been in the industry a number of years, amazing network, um, had yeah. done some really cool projects, was one of the early you know, team members that launched Dosis, was launched a number of dispensaries, and really just a, a power networker. And I think, you know, my skill set is really operations focused and, and moving things from zero to one. We have two other great partners, Chris and Michael, all have complementary skill sets. And I think, you know, that combination, I always have been passionate about cannabis. It's a really exciting industry. I think the thing that really drew me most to cannabis is the opportunity to build a sort of a, a generational industry from the ground up. Yeah. Um, I've certainly have felt that opportunity to a degree when I was working at Google. I mean, we we're providing internet and new products to the world uh, in a really profound way. I admittedly, you know, I have some regrets about how technology kind of has turned out, particularly <laughs> some of the larger tech companies. And just in yeah. terms of, you know, the messaging around don't be evil and sort of this very uh, aspirational approach towards, you know, all technology will make the world a better place. And I think like we know what can happen if, you know, the really powerful products and new industries get in the wrong hands. Yeah. And I do think that there is some level of personal responsibility and just, you know, wanting to be part of a new industry building it in the right way is really my interest in, in cannabis. Like I feel honored to be part of this. I certainly recognize the people who have pioneered this industry before me, but I think myself and our team, we have a lot to offer. Uh, and we really are, you know, approaching this in a way that is, you know, putting the the health and prosperity of the industry first. Yeah. I'm curious, you know, coming out of Google, I mean, you're going from uh, extremely successful technology company, you know, dealing with, you know, fairly structured environment. There's a lot of things that I'm sure you've learned at Google. I'm curious, what pieces of that were you able to transfer to the work you're doing today? What what pieces did you think you could transfer that didn't? And what what pieces do you know you kind of knew you were going to have to change, you know, coming into the industry? I'm always curious with, with people kind of switching or pivoting into cannabis. Yeah, I mean, look, it... We launched Union Electric the day after the the COVID nineteen lockdown. Um, <laughs> nice time, like that. Yeah, that was like really one of my first forays, like into physical goods. Um, yeah. Like I, uh, you know, we we had sold, we tried to get clicks and downloads. Um, never have I tried to navigate a pandemic and like you know moving th- you know a thousand pounds of biomass around the state of California. Um, so in lockdown with masks on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like, wait, I can't go pick it up. Like <laughs> oh I, I thought it's physically there. No. Um, so I, I think that there's certainly some learning curve there. I will say one of the things I thought would translate better than it has um, is actually some of like digital customer acquisition. Yeah. 
you know, we've, we've done some D2C work with Unilectric. I think, you know, we've obviously invested in having a really strong digital footprint. The platforms don't care. It's really challenging to get reach. You know, I think there's been some individuals that have done a really good job building communities on, on Instagram and some other platforms. But generally, the, the digital manifestation of the cannabis community is very, very fragmented. And I think, you know, this is, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about our crowdfund later, but I thought, you know, that was one thing I thought we'd have like a real competitive advantage in and we don't (laughs) because everyone is really in in a flat space. I would say we do bring a level of uh, professionalism and Mm -hmm. operational uh, excellence, I would say that, you know. I think has been a really big advantage for us. Um, you know, we're very focused and we really get things done. And like at the end of the day, there's a huge variance in cannabis, you know, whether it's your forecast, like whether you anticipate cannabis is going to end up with one regulatory format or another, like everyone is to a degree wrong. Um, (laughs) (laughs) so I think like with that, with knowing that everyone is wrong, it really comes down to what are you going to do about it and how are you going to basically continue to pivot and you know, clean up your mistakes. Yeah. And I think that, you know, wholeheartedly, we're pretty good at that. We really have an incredible network of people that have supported our, our brands or companies that we've built, you know, around Trailblazers, our event series. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're only as good as the partners that we work with. We're very focused on finding the best partners and curating, you know, great brands from those partners. And, you know, at the end of the day, like we're betting on ourselves to just, wade through and figure out the problems um, yeah. along with everybody else. Yeah. Well, I think that's a good point. It's, it's, it's not so much, and I always say this as a, as a strategic coach, right? Like, like we develop a strategy and the only thing I can guarantee is the strategy will be wrong. It's just a question of how quickly can we change it and, you know, how do we respond to the changing market and pivot as quickly as possible? Because you're never going to get it all right. But once you know, once you know why it's wrong and where it's wrong, how quickly can you make it right is, is always what I find in these kind of high growth, really dynamic industries that, that you need to do. I mean, I'm curious on the, you know, on the sort of professionalism side, I've, and maybe because you're coming in at a very senior level, it's a little, it's a little easier, but I've, I've certainly spoken to, you know, a lot of folks that kind of come out of like pharmaceuticals or something and they join a company in cannabis and and they kind of, they come in with this, well, we know how to do it in pharma or, you know, we know how to do it in this other industry and we're going to make it work like that here. And it's, it's almost like an organ rejection. <laughs> like <laughs> cannabis just is like, mm, no, go away. Right. And, and they really, there's this kind of, how do I adapt or what parts of it do I bring in in a way that's going to be kind of accepted in, you know, whether it's internal to company or to the industry in general, and how do I not get kind of rejected as, you know, just so different. It's almost like too professional too quickly. How has that played out for you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. I would say we differentiate professionalism from corporatism a bit yeah. within our world. So, you know, I do think that you can bring skill sets, communication skills, organization skills, leadership skills, like all these things are actually critical to early stage cannabis startups. It's not so much like who's you know making your pro forma, like a lot of that stuff can be commoditized. It's really the soft touch um, and the ability to ultimately get people and partners to go above and beyond because we all need that uh, in order to be successful here. So I think that that's a really big thing. You know, one of the things that at least tech prides itself in is move fast and break things. Yeah, that is, there's none of that really in cannabis. <laughs> um, I would say in, in, in some ways, if you look at a, not all, but some of the companies that have come out of traditional Silicon Valley pedigree, some have done well, some have really struggled because I think there was an expectation that 
you know, farmers are like users or, you know, mm, that there's yeah. elements of this industry that will just be quickly, you know, modernized and are digitized. And I don't think that anyone has the power to overcome a lot of the traditional ways and things have been done in sure. cannabis to date. I think that's been a very wide eye to that. And I think it's been very humbling to a degree. And the biggest thing that you can do is just try to learn as much as you can about the traditional market, where it's yeah. come from, be obviously being respectful and all roads lead back to the farmer. Um, mm -hmm. I think the way that whether you're a distributor, whether you're a retailer, whether you're a brand, how you treat the farmer, you know, what you're doing for that farmer and, and how that farmer fits in your supply chain is going to dictate everything. And I think, you know, we're just a, a company and a brand that really I want to connect our customers as close as they can with the farmer and really, you know, provide a close relationship so they can really get closer to the products that they love. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about Union Electric. I mean, you mentioned that it came out of the openness, the studio. Tell us a little bit about the studio. How did sort of the idea of Union Electric come about? What is it? What is it about? What's kind of the brand and, and how did you get things launched, you know, in, in the middle of a pandemic or at the beginning of a pandemic? Yeah. You know, a venture studio is kind of a fancy word for an incubator. Um, mm -hmm. You know, the way openness labs has been structured, you know, we've raised money into a, a company and a holding company. Um, and as new ideas and new opportunities have come up, whether that be something that's completely born in-house or a new partnership that has like come to us in which um, we would potentially invest some seed capital and really roll our sleeves up. You know, that's generally our structure and we're just focused on cannabis and, and the hemp. So okay. I think that there's a lot of, you've seen some other venture studios in the past that with varying degrees of success that really had a wide scope. I think we're a huge believer in networking community and that ultimately a lot of what we're doing is compounding just as we get deeper in the space and build stronger and stronger relationships. So as Union Electric becomes more successful, I think ultimately new brands and new projects that come out of the studio are going to have a lot more success as well. Um, so, you know, they're all to a degree working together and we have some portfolio strategy. You know, the, the positioning and the brand was really born for Union Electric is wanting to target the core consumer. I think we saw what some of, some of the value brands in the space were doing. You know, there, there's really great brands in the value space. Packstone is one. Old Pal's done a really good job. You know, there are people that have gone out there and, and, and done a great job from a revenue perspective. Mm -hmm. I think what we saw as an opportunity was really making sure that it's not just the value consumer, that's the core consumer, which is, I think is a really important thing. And then ultimately try to give that consumer a brand that they ultimately can connect with and feel a part of. Our customer has been smoking most of their adult life, if not their mm -hmm. entire adult life. They bought it from dozens of different peoples and stores. They are educated, uh, they're connoisseurs, but they're not necessarily big spenders on each purchase. But, you know, they want respect. They want a brand that is really trying to cater to their interests and preferences. And ultimately, you know, they're going to be some of the biggest spenders in the market uh, yeah. over the course of a year. And we really sort of recognize that and didn't want to just like put out another brand to kind of market a, a new label or a new name or a tagline. We really want to try to create something to invite people to feel part of it, something, a community, and ultimately give people a voice uh, in the legal cannabis industry. We're, we're still figuring this out. Any, yeah. Everyone is still figuring this out. Our customers, uh, we need them. We need their help helping figure this out. And we have no idea what this will look like in five years. So if we, you know, the idea of building a strong community around that and try to get brand loyalty in, in a really profound way, I think was what we set out to do. And so we launched with just flower. We have a number of other SKUs coming out behind it. We have some pre-rolls coming out. 
Um, we've got a, you know, another sort of broader roadmap with non-flower products as well, but it's gone really well. I mean, we have a crowded space. There's a lot of value brands out there, but yeah. we've done a really good job, I think, cutting through. I think we've got some, you know, great packaging in terms of covering our bases, but I do think our, uh, the message that we're trying to send out there is being a, a brand that is for our consumers, that is trying to build with our consumers and ultimately trying to manifest what we think a national brand and cannabis should actually look like. You know, I think it's a really valuable process and exercise for everyone in the industry as a whole. Yeah. And what what were some of the challenges or what are things you had to overcome to really make this happen? I mean, you mentioned the, the COVID kind of hiccup. <laughs> but yeah. Like as you kind of were developing the brand, kind of figuring out the process, supply chain, you mentioned packaging, branding. Like what, what were the hurdles or what were the things that were particularly difficult or, you know, particularly important in terms of making this all work? Yeah. Supply chain is always, uh, always a challenge. I think, you know, even the best cultivators run into issues, whether it be mold or, you know, any number of things that can cause disruptions. I think we saw a lot of that last year with yeah. uh, also a lot of prices going up, particularly in the summer. So that was a really big challenge, just getting our, our sea legs under us and kind of understanding and stabilizing. You know, from a distribution standpoint, we switched over to Herbal. Uh, Herbal. Yep. Uh, in, They've been on the, uh, on the program, yeah. Yeah, you know, I can't say enough about them. Well, I think that, you know, there's a lot of groups MSOs, vertically integrated companies here in California that certainly get a lot of headlines. Herbal is really the backbone to the cannabis supply chain in California, in my opinion. What they do in terms of managing the dispensaries, they do a lot of really hard work. They manage the AR for those dispensaries and they ultimately take title of product, which really provides a a huge alleviation in our cash conversion cycles. Mm -hmm. Um, So switching over to Herbal in February completely changed the complexion of our business. Um, And I think that I just really can't say enough about their team and Mike Beaudry there. And just like we can, we have the time and and focus to build a brand because we work with Herbal, not worried about whether a certain dispensary is 15 days late on a payment. And that is invaluable. Yeah. Well, and I'll suggest people go listen to that episode too. We'll we'll plug our own program here. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I'll check that out. I uh, had dinner last night with Mike Beaudry and I uh, just can't say enough about him as a leader in the industry. We're going to take a quick break to hear some words from our sponsors. And now back to our program. So, so let's talk about the, the kind of funding uh, strategy you've taken. I mean, bo- both from a kind of a practical point of view, but also from a brand point of view. I mean, give, give us a little bit of the, you know, how did this come about? When did you start thinking about this? Why has this, why was it a path that you went down? And then we can talk a little bit about how it's going at this point. Yeah, I've, I've always been pretty enamored with crowdfunding. Uh, you know, just being in the digital world at Google, like the idea of global liquidity, yeah. particularly at a retail level investor is an incredible idea and concept. And it's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be like five years or 10 years, but these markets are going to get digitized. They're going to globalize and they're going to get access to retail investors to all sorts of different private and public deals. So this is, I think, just something about the future that we believe in. We're also very community focused. I think, you know, whether it's our Trailblazers event series that we run as OpenNest or just our focus at Union Electric as a brand, um, we believe that community is going to separate. So the combination of, you know, we, we've looked at Reg CFs in the past. Prior to, I think, March, the most you could raise was $1.8 million, yeah. which I think like is obviously a, a lot of money. But if you get a bunch of momentum in a crowdfund, 
you know, having to cap it at a million dollars, particularly with the amount of marketing dollars it takes yeah. and, and just effort, it's just the juice isn't worth the squeeze. So yep. um, it's changed to five. And so we've been paying close attention to this. And we really wanted to be one of the first brands to put ourselves out there uh, to be part of the, the new crowdfund regulations. So right now on Republic, um, you can go to republic.co slash union dash electric. And any retail investor over 18 can invest as little as $100 in our brand. Um, we just lost the campaign a couple of weeks ago. We have a number of like really fun marketing activations that we have that we'll be launching over the next couple of weeks with some of our supply chain partners, retailers, uh, et cetera. So I think, you know, we, we're capitalized in the sense that like Union Electric is support from our venture studio as well as outside investors, both on the institutional and angel side. So it really wasn't a sort of if we don't raise X amount of dollars, this thing's going under, but really a, an, a, an invitation to a share everything that we have going on. So, you know, every two weeks I'm providing like real time updates on how we're doing revenue, new doors open, strain drops, trying to give people a real insight on our successes and challenges. And then also, you know, educating people on how we source flour, how we think about different elements in the business, providing updates, on, you know, on what's happening with institutional investors. So it's a really it's as much as a fundraising tool. It is a jumpstart to building a really robust community of people who have skin in the game. And that is a, a, a really exciting thing for us. I've definitely gotten some questions of like, how are you going to you know, potentially manage 5000 individual investors? That seems like a real pain in the ass. And, you know, my answer is this is, you know, most brands would kill for 5,000 names. <laughs> a problem, a problem yeah. I won't mind having. I'm going to yeah. manage them by making them customers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, it's like most brands don't have 5,000 email addresses, much less yeah. people who have put in at least $100. Yeah, that are like, literally invested in the company. I mean, not just like conceptually, but literally invested. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. it's really cool. It's a game changer. We honestly hope that we can be one of many brands that do this. I think it also presents a really important alternative funding strategy for early stage companies. Sure. You know, right now with the private markets moving into SPACs or, you know, on the Canadian exchanges, there's a couple hundred people that are getting really rich on these deals. Yeah, exactly. And it's definitely not the core cannabis consumer. You know, we're, we're certainly not necessarily like anti total anti-corporate crusaders. We understand that institutional capital is going to have an important role in the mm -hmm. development of this industry. But at the same time, how do we get the person dropping five grand a year on weed a little upside in this thing? And, we, you know, we're just trying to present some alternative viewpoints, alternative options, and ultimately a brand that people can put a little money in and get behind. Now, yeah, it's fascinating because you're kind of taking the traditional kind of business dynamics of, you know, on one side of my business, I've got customers. On the other side, I've got suppliers. On the other side, I've got investors. And it's really mixing them all up, right? It's saying, hey, look, I can have, you know, an investor that's a supplier or an investor that's a customer. And I can, you know, and I'm sure my suppliers are customers, right? Like it's, it's, it's really kind of mixing these Venn diagrams or the circles in the Venn diagrams and making, you know, kind of these things overlap. And, you know, on one hand, I could see it being, yeah, it gets complex, right? Because like, I can't just send out my investor message, right? Because they could also be a customer, right? Like I've got to integrate these communications. But to your point, it's like it creates a huge amount of synergies. And and I think at some level, you know, kind of solve some of these problems. I think we have in traditional companies where, you know, I'm here to increase shareholder value. <laughs> well, you know, those shareholders are customers too, right? I can't, I can't just charge anything I want and make the product, you know, as cheap as possible to increase my margin to ha make shareholders happy. But then you know, make a shit product for my customers. Like I've got to, I've got to do all these things and I, I got to take care of my suppliers, right? Cause they're going to be investors too. Like, how have you seen this 
either is this playing out like what what have you noticed as this has kind of started to play out or as you've thought about how these communications are going to work as as this develops yeah i, I think we we've got some stuff to announce and would love to come back on at some point at the conclusion Ooh, yeah. of the sale just to you know best practices and things that we learned but i do you know to to your point you know our supply chain partners are, have a very large vested interest in us no matter what, I mean, they're, they're allocating us great product, right? Like we're actually, this is already happening to a degree. Like every, everyone has a, we're a non-point touching brand IP entity. We're asset light. You know, we don't touch the flower. We don't have trucks. We don't own stores. (laughs) And so all, everyone is like powering our brand to a degree. And so this is actually just trying to, you know, create equal incentive structures. Cause in a lot of ways, like everyone who's been helping us in the, so far, um, it, you know, it's been doing it out of cash and re- for relationships. Um, yeah. And there's something a lot more than that happening here. And I think like you've seen some early deals that you've seen brands sign with big retailers or big distributors or things like that, that, you know, don't always go well or end up a little sour because like at the end of the day, like there's not an equal distribution of value across the entire ecosystem with some of these deals. And so I think we just, again, it's, I think an alternative option. And I hope, I really hope that this can work in a a number of different ways. And people really look at this model, not just for cannabis brands, but startups moving forward. Yeah. I was going to ask like, how much is this, you know, particularly interesting for cannabis just because of the, where we are in the industry and access to capital and stuff like this. And and how much of this is just, is good for any early stage company as a way to both, you know, find a means of, of raising funds and alternative method, but really kind of get early adopters and kind of build community. What, what's your, what's your take on sort of the general application of this versus cannabis specific? Yeah, I think general application is, is going to be really compelling. I don't think it's going to disrupt venture capital anytime soon for a multitude of reasons. But when you look at some of these new verticals, I mean, we just launched our announced a new brand. The OpenS team did with um, Hector Rodriguez, who's a big esports star. Um, mm-hmm. He did a name reveal yesterday. Unbelievable reception for that. But, you know, that's sure. a vertical that, I mean, his fans, they call himself the green wall. I mean, it's literally... Uh, <laughs> The idea of doing crowdfund in that context, um, I think that there's a lot of really community-driven digital-first verticals that are emerging that are going to just absolutely crush with these new tools. So we're very sort of think that there's a lot of application. I do think it's very different and special, though, for cannabis because we, to my original point, we have the opportunity to build something from the ground up. And I think every step that we take matters uh, in that, you know. Presenting these new ownership models, presenting a brand that is really working in the interests of the industry as a whole is what we need to make this industry successful. It's all heart. I think, you know, it's capital and hearts and minds at this point over the next three to five years. Uh, And I think we're trying to combine those in a really unique way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what, um, I mean, I know you're kind of still in the, in the throes of the raise and stuff, but like, what, what are some of the things that you've learned that, you know, either were a little more difficult or didn't go quite as planned or th- this is kind of a new, a new thing for a lot of companies. I'm sure there's a lot of things that are still getting ironed out, but what did you have to kind of pivot and dress around as you put this in place? Yeah, I mean, it definitely took a, a decent amount of work and energy getting it live, right? We're one of the first ones um, to, to to do this from a THC perspective. We definitely got a lot of inbound from people being like, wow, I didn't know a cannabis company could do this. Yeah. Um, so it took, a, I think, a lot of effort just to get everything kind of over the finish line. Um, we launched the sale, I think it was like right around 4th of July. So we we haven't had like huge expectations, to be honest, uh, for on, on the raise, at least initially. We're really trying to time 
a lot of the closing with some great market momentum that we're going to continue to be sharing over the next couple of weeks. So sure. we've got a ton of uh, inventory that's getting shipped out. Like, so we're trying to like kind of create a moment around the closing, um, yeah. get people engaged, start follow us for the next eight to 12 weeks. We've got some webinars that we're going to be doing. Ask us hard questions, take the opportunity to educate yourself about what's going on in cannabis. And then as we get ready to close, ultimately make a decision on what you want to support us and, and participate in the round. So that's really how we're thinking about it. But I do think if, if you're just like a brand and you don't have a clear community element or this, you know, doing a crowdfund isn't in support of a really strong brand message. It's not going to just like the Red Sea opening pouring in. Uh, I mean, <laughs> this is not, uh, you know, like a crypto ICO. Um, yeah, yeah. You're going to, you know, you're going to have to go out and recruit people, tell your story, get yep. out there, build your community. And that's really hard work. So um, I will say we've got some amazing people who have invested so far, you know, ranging from like, U.S. postal workers to social equity applicants in other states who want to network with California companies to small business book bookstore owners, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. So it's like I think it, it, it is, again, just the idea of faces and names and community and individuals signing up to support you as a brand in cannabis makes a huge difference. And so we're just going to keep pushing, getting our story out there and, you know, obviously welcome as many people that want to participate as possible. Yeah. And tell me, as you're kind of thinking through the business strategy and kind of plotting your course and, and how you're going to you know, kind of grow and scale the company and moves you're going to make, what are some of the things on your strategic map? Like as you kind of yeah. are kind of planning, you know, changes in the industry or things you're going to have to deal with, like what's on the horizon for you in terms of, you know, cannabis business in general, California, like what are the things that, you know, you're going to have to grapple with? Yeah, I think, you know, for the Union Electric brand, it's really just continuing to get a bit more robust. So I think like, taking up more shelf space, new product categories, really just expanding the brand. We've actually got some pretty cool ideas around retail and things like that. So um, that's, a, that's a huge one. That The interstate is really big. You know, it's yeah. something that we go back and forth on because yeah, sure. California is so big and you, you can onboard another farm here, you know, and bring in another, you know, $250,000, $500,000 a month in revenue. That could never happen in some of these new states, right? Like we could launch in Arizona and and make that in a whole year just based on, you know, either market demands or regulatory framework. But I do think being in states, being on shelves, having touch points with national consumers is critical in terms of building the enterprise value of the company. And so at some point, we obviously are going to have to kind of make some resource decisions on obviously continuing to best deep and competing here in California but I do think to continue to build the brand and you know shareholder returns, we got to get into new states and create some new partnerships. Yeah, I'm sure. Max, it's been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, about Union Electric, about the raise, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, you can always email me. I'm Max, M-A-X, at opennest.co. I would definitely encourage you guys to check out our crowdfunding page on Republic. So that is republic.co slash union dash electric. And, you know, Republic is a great platform. They do a great job really displaying the information of the investment opportunity. Uh, And there's a place to ask questions. So, uh, you know, feel free to ask questions there. Happy to respond. Uh, And, you know, we also have some webinars and things coming up in the next few weeks that we'd love to have people participate as well. So it's really an open invitation to be part of the legal cannabis industry. We're really excited to be doing this and um, obviously looking forward to coming back on the show and keeping everybody updated on the progress and success. 
Perfect. Well, I'll make sure all the links and everything are on the show notes and so people can click through and I highly encourage people to check it out. I think it really is, you know, a unique opportunity to to participate in a way that, you know, just you haven't been able to as an individual and, you know, unless you're a high net worth individual and got a couple million dollars sitting around. Yeah, <laughs> you're, exactly. You're going to place big bets. So, um, you know, if, if not, for nothing else to just be part of the early kind of the early stage and be one of the first um be one of the first people and one of the first companies really trying this out it's exciting time so max thank you so much for taking the time today it's been a pleasure awesome thank you bruce that's it for this episode of thinking outside the bud be sure to subscribe using your favorite podcast app so you don't miss our future episodes see you next time you've been listening to thinking outside the bud with business coach bruce eckfeld to find a full list of podcast episodes Download the tools and worksheets and access other great content. Visit the website at thinkingoutsidethebud.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at thinkingoutsidethebud.com forward slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Dot com.